Hello. If you are into conversations that are habitually disruptive, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian, the speakeasy edition. So I do want to start this episode with a little bit of almost an apology. I got a little convicted from a piece of my content that I posted this week talking about how this is a problem that Biden has created. And while I do think that that is accurate to a degree, what I was convicted about is that I don't think that finger pointing is what's going to be productive in this conversation. And I am guilty of it. Other people are guilty of it. But I do think that if we would stop pointing fingers, maybe we could get things done. And the reality is, is that the United States and our politicians and our administrations have been dropping the ball on this issue for decades. So this isn't inherently Biden's fault. It's not inherently Trump's fault. Trump didn't fix it. Was it technically better? Statistically, there was a 40-year low for illegal immigration under Trump. Like, you always have to remind people that the Obama administration is the one that actually built the cages. It was at a national high under Clinton. So everybody's dropped the ball on this. And I just wanted to set, I don't know, I guess the record straight that finger pointing isn't going to fix it. Are there things that Biden could be doing better? Yes. And we're going to talk about that. But also he's made his policy pretty clear. So I think we need to have realistic expectations and instead set our eyes and intentions forward on how the church is going to be a part of this conversation moving forward. History matters. I love history, but I don't think pointing back and seeing how badly this has been handled is going to fix anything. For me, the point of the conversation is that we in America, in essence, have open borders today, and it is hurting literally everyone. It's hurting America. It's hurting the migrants. Everyone is losing, and this should matter To the American people, I think it should matter to the Mexican people as well and the Latin American people who are coming up through Mexico. But I can only speak for the American side of the equation, and I think we need to care for a lot of reasons, but primarily because in 18 months, we're going to hopefully vote in a new administration, and I would like for them to do something. And I would like to see the church be a part of that conversation. I would like to see the church step into politics, join the arena, because the church belongs in politics. I think the quote-unquote other side is so loud about their keep your religion to yourself, keep it out of my country, keep it out of our policies, and like, screw that, because look where it's gotten us. Taking Christian ethics and morals out of the ruling and running of our country has gotten us literally nowhere. So maybe we should try something new. And I'm not even saying we need to onboard other people into that belief system. I'm saying there are enough of us, there are enough people who love Jesus and who also care about the direction that our country is going. Let's form opinions, let's put language to what we believe, and let's at minimum speak up about it. Now, the fact that I even said we have open borders, there are already people who are like, you're an idiot. No, we don't. You can't tell me we don't have open borders when sanctuary cities exist and cities and their rulers openly defy the government and refuse to coordinate or cooperate with them. You can't tell me that we don't essentially have open borders when the president of the United States is resurrecting old policies that made protected places 
where immigration enforcement cannot go into. So ICE and departments like that, they can't go into schools, university campuses, hospitals, clinics, places of worship, sites where children gather, playgrounds, daycare centers, foster care facilities. They cannot go into any of these places to deport illegal immigrants. They are protected in those places, which to me just communicates that they are super committed to ensuring that people can't be deported that have come here illegally. So I just wanted to be really clear about the lens that I'm viewing the conversation through, and it is that we have open borders, that the attitude is, bring me your huddled masses, and we're going to pretend like we don't have immigration laws, some of the strictest in existence that have been in place since like 1917. We're just going to let whoever in. This is the way we're going to run the country. This is the right thing to do. What is the Christian response to that? Because first and foremost, out the gate, you're going to hit the, well, Jesus was a refugee. What if Jesus was migrating from Latin America to the U.S. and we just turned him away? That is a wild statement if you really think about it. And I don't mean that in a flippant way, but every time I see that come across a billboard or like one of those staked signs in somebody's yard, I'm like, that is wild. Think about the actual situation. Do we really want to compare Jesus' situation to ours in any experience, much less one that involves angels? You're telling me that you think that an angel of the Lord has appeared to every single one of these migrants coming to the U.S.-Mexico border and told them to get up and escape persecution? That's a bold stance to take, right? And people get in the weeds about if Jesus was even actually a refugee because Egypt wasn't actually outside of Jesus's country of origin since Egypt and Bethlehem at the time were both part of the Roman Empire. But all of that aside, my response to this is much simpler. Are you saying an angel of the Lord appeared to all of these people and told them to come to America? Do you really want to compare the two situations? Because that makes me uncomfortable. So that like completely takes the argument off the table for me. Whether Jesus was a a refugee or not may be up for debate, but even if he was, are these experiences comparable? Is that a comparison and correlation that we should be comfortable making? I'm going to go with a hard no. But I will tell you a part of scripture that I am comfortable viewing this through the lens of. One of the tenets of my life is Micah 6.8. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. That's how I want to live. That's how I want to be remembered. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate Every last ray of sun. So I want to talk about the Christian response to the humanitarian crisis at the border through the lens of Micah 6-8, of justice, mercy, and humility. Because in my humble opinion, open borders are inhumane. They are not justice and they are not merciful in the least. And there are a whole list of reasons. The first one for me on a personal level is the women and children. And I put this statistic on my Instagram this week, but in the last two years, 
over 250,000 migrant children have come to the U.S. by themselves, alone, without guardians, okay? Thousands of those children, it is known for a fact, ended up in punishing circumstances, working in slaughterhouses, working on roofs, working in factories. All of the child labor laws are being bypassed and broken for these kids. And those are the ones that aren't trafficked, right? If you're not familiar with it, there's a nickname for people who smuggle people into the United States. They're called coyotes. So play the long game as a coyote. Sure, you could smuggle people in, release them out. They may end up in some kind of punishing job or circumstance, but you get paid. You make your short-term profit. Or you could smuggle them in, tell them you'll take care of them if they do what you tell them to do, and poof, you have a long-term income plan as a human trafficker. It is estimated that of the approximately 50,000 people that are annually trafficked to the United States, one-third are Latin Americans, and they are trafficked into sex trafficking, labor trafficking, drug trafficking, and it targets women, children, and men. So there is no way that Christians can say the current state of the border where people can come and go almost as they please and find protected places to do these kinds of things, that it is love, justice, or mercy when this is happening and allowing trafficking to continue the way that it is. That's not even talking about the danger of the journey that these people are taking to get here. The last official reporting for border deaths isn't recent. It's from 2021. 568 immigrants were documented as having died near the border. Those are just the ones border control physically discovered. I cannot imagine how many die from heat and exhaustion and dehydration and violence all along the hundreds of miles long trip. But if we want to work with this statistic, right, we're just going to look at this in a microcosm right at the border. 568 immigrants die near the border in 2021. Okay, there's nearly 1.6 million illegal immigrant encounters in 2021. That number nearly doubled in 2022 to 2.76 million. So safe estimate, at least 1,000 immigrants die at the border in 2022. And that's at the border, not on the trip. Open borders and knowing that there are protected places and sanctuary cities that you can escape to encourages you to make this trip and potentially die in the process. And I don't see how it's the Christian response to encourage people to take it, especially not women and children. But how does the open border impact Americans? It isn't all about us. This isn't all about our safety and what's best for us. But we'd be fools to not have that enter the equation. So let's talk about fentanyl for a second. Because it is 50 times more potent and deadly than any other opioid. And it is absolutely flowing through our southern border to a point where no matter how much research you do, you really can't find very many statistics or data points about fentanyl in America and especially coming from Mexico because it's so out of control. Deaths involving fentanyl have surged from around 3,000 in 2013 to the most recent statistic we have is 30,000 in 2018. And we know it is way, way, way more than that now. It's worth noting that fentanyl is actually a Chinese problem, not a Mexican problem. They're really just a part of the system. 
the fentanyl is made in China, mailed to Mexico so that it can be smuggled into America, and cartels are just making a ton of money in the process. And hopefully you can see the big picture there of, like, ask yourself, how could China take over America and never actually set foot on our soil or engage in hand-to-hand combat of any kind? I don't know. I'm going to leave you to think about that. But the Mexican and American drug trade is massive. It is so much bigger than you and I can comprehend, and it likely can no longer be, quote-unquote, taken down. But I do think that we could stem the flow of deadly drugs into the country by fixing our immigration problem. Like I said, they don't even know how many fentanyl deaths to report anymore because it's so out of control and it is impacting literally everyone. We need to do something about it. And yes, we can treat the problems on this side and the church should be a part of the conversation of mental health and why people are turning to drugs in the first place. And we can welcome these people with open arms to leave their sin behind. But let's also be a part of the conversation about how it's getting here in the first place and why. Unfortunately, I am (laughs) of the somewhat pessimistic view that this problem, it's not one that's going to be solved, but I think we can soften some of the blows with stricter policy and putting money where it matters. We have spent over $75 billion protecting Ukrainian borders while ours are overrun. Why? The IRS is hiring thousands of new agents to audit hardworking Americans, but border control is drowning and in need of personnel and financing. Why? I don't actually have the answers because that's not my job. (laughs) I'm not a politician. I am a commentator. But before I am anything else, I'm a Christian. And I don't think that the church can, with good conscience, support open borders or people who support those policies. So something needs to be done and people in the church need to start raising their voices and join the conversation. We need to put language and give people an understanding of why this is a problem, why it's a problem worth caring about. If nothing else, I just want to use my voice because I know it's really easy to feel like our hands are tied at this point as Americans and in the political situation that we have found ourselves in. It is easy to feel like your vote doesn't matter as election integrity continues to degradate. It is easy to feel like nobody's listening to you. But if more of us know what we think and why we believe it and how we can back it up biblically, and we share that and therefore make other people feel brave and then make more people feel bold and... Like, that's how revolution happens. And I know I'm giving, like, William Wallace vibes right now, but we need change in our country. And this is just a small piece of the pie of what needs to change. But this is what people are talking about right now. So let's join the conversation and have something to say. (laughs) 